Good morning. Welcome to The Briefing. It is the 1st of June, and in just a moment, we're going to take you to the streets of Minneapolis, which is the epicenter of the protests and riots that have swept across the US over the weekend. And why is your passport? Sorry? Yes, there is. Yes. You're short, no problem. This is the sound of an Australian crew being detained. We're going to speak to Tim Avia, the Channel 9 reporter who was recording that in just a moment. First, I'm joined by Annika Smethurst, who got the best news of her life last week. Uh, the AFP investigation is over. She will not be going to jail. Hello, Annika. Hello. Great to be with you. What an amazing week you've had. Yeah, it came in the form of an email last week, that good news. So it's been something that's been with me for nearly a year now. So it just feels incredible. Does it really feel different now, your your whole life? Because this was affecting your future big time. Yeah, my partner commented that I it feels like he's living with a different person now. Look, <laughs> I knew it was sort of weight on my shoulders, but I guess I didn't even appreciate just how much I felt sort of claustrophobic and stuck with this decision. So it's great news. Yeah, amazing. All right. We're very happy for you, Annika. Let's get into the news of the day. The protests in America over the death of an unarmed African-American man have now spread to London, Canada and Germany, with crowds gathering in over 100 cities. Yeah, it all started in Minneapolis last Monday when George Floyd died after a white police officer put his knee on his neck for several minutes during an arrest. Footage of that horrific incident shows the 46-year-old man telling the officers that he can't breathe and bystanders are also telling them to stop. And then the protests grew and spread to other American cities throughout the week, some turning violent with police cars and stations burnt down and shops looted. The mobs are devastating the life's work of good people and destroying their dreams. Right now, America needs creation, not destruction. Cooperation, not contempt. Security, not anarchy, and there will be no anarchy. Three people have been shot dead during the rallies, while curfews have been brought in at several protesting cities to stop the violence, which is mostly happening at night. Yeah, and President Donald Trump was censored by Twitter, um, who said he was glorifying violence by tweeting that he was sending in the National Guard and that when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And a lot of people said that was far from the unifying message they needed at that point. The governor of Minnesota announced that he was sending in nearly 11,000 members of the National Guard. They arrived overnight shooting paintballs at the crowd and telling the residents to go back inside. Yeah, and the officer involved uh, with the killing of George Floyd has been charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. And we're going to have more on those protests and the death of George Floyd in just a moment when we speak to Channel 9's US correspondent who's been on the ground. And on Friday, the government announced it was refunding $721 million recouped through its controversial robo-debt scheme. This has been a huge disaster for the government. From 2016, 373 Aussies on Centrelink paid back the money, which was automatically calculated by the tax office and turned out to be wrong, before the scheme was halted over concerns about its accuracy last year. And a man who worked on a review tribunal of complaints is worried that more than half of those people won't be followed up. Professor Terry Carney says 200,000 of the recipients have since changed their addresses. Can we trust that the government is going to refund the $720 million to the nearly 400,000 individuals? I'm not as confident as I uh, would like to be that that will be the case. Not a lot of confidence there that this will be completed digitally. The federal government says the first 190,000 will get their cash back from July one and they'll be proactively reaching out to people. 
Yeah, it's caused a lot of stress for people. Um, it's been a really difficult thing to navigate, create a lot of uncertainty and put a lot of financial pressure on some of the most vulnerable Australians. This has largely come about, this recent development through a class action. Um, that's still going to go ahead despite the refund, meaning the victims of the bungled scheme could also be paid damages. And it could, um, we've actually both been following this story for years. This is a massive development. It's a huge development. And also, there's a really untold cost there, which is something the opposition have said about the people that have had to pay these back, the added stress, um, you know, the effect that it's had on their health, um, living with that sort of knowing you have a debt. So I think the damages, you know, by that calculation could actually be quite high. More states are continuing to open up from today. In New South Wales, pubs and restaurants can now host 50 seated customers, Tom. Yoo-hoo! Uh, that is very good news. I'm in New South <laughs> Wales. I'll be um, one of their customers. <laughs> um, Victoria is also opening its doors for the first time for in-house dining. Um, Vic and Queensland will be able to welcome 20 sit-down guests from today. It'll go up to 80 in South Australia. All cafes, restaurants, bars and pubs will need to get contact details in case there's an outbreak. Also from today, beauty salons, spas, and tattoo parlours can reopen in Victoria and South Australia and Queensland. Oh, finally I can get back to inking up. Get that sleeve finished. <laughs> I got my nails done on the weekend. I was out there. <laughs> Very nice. And we've found out that some of the cash people have taken out of their super has been spent on alcohol and gambling. Yeah, Credit Bureau Alpha Beta has analysed the bank accounts of 13,000 people who dipped in early and found they were spending almost $3,000 extra in the fortnight after they got the cash. On average, 393 of that went to paying off debts, $327 of that went on gambling and 150 bucks went on booze and tobacco. Oh, that's really bad news. I mean, people who took their money out of super around this time lost a lot because the share market had come down so much to then find out that they're also wasting that money on gambling is quite bad news. And the Bureau also found that four out of 10 of them actually hadn't seen a, a drop in their income. So theoretically, shouldn't have needed to take out that super. Yeah, this was a cover, was something we covered quite early, Tom, and the long-term effect of not getting that compound interest. I don't know if they'll feel good about that $150 on booze and tobacco down the track. Last week, we told you about Elon Musk's SpaceX aircraft taking two NASA astronauts to the International Space Station. In the end, a tropical storm delayed takeoff, but overnight, Doug Hurley and Bob Benkin finally arrived at the International Space Station. Dragon arriving. Crew of Expedition 63 is honoured to welcome uh, Dragon and the commercial crew program to uh, welcome aboard the International Space Station. Yeah, that's Elon Musk's Dragon capsule, and it's the first commercially made spacecraft to take American astronauts into space. Bob and Doug will join the current American and Russian crews and help with everyday science and maintenance activities. Well, there it is, the first commercially funded trip to space. Now, in a moment here on The Briefing, we're going to take you to the streets of Minneapolis. As you heard in the headlines, an incredibly intense situation, not just in Minneapolis, where an unarmed African-American man was killed by police last Monday, but across America. And now the protests are happening in London, Berlin and Canada. Nine News correspondent Tim Avier was detained yesterday um, by police at gunpoint when covering those protests. He tweeted, just being detained and searched by Minneapolis police. They cuffed my cameraman and our security but we're respectful and have now let us go. Tim joins us now in Minneapolis. Tim, welcome to the briefing. Can you tell us what's the latest overnight? I believe the National Guard was sent in. Yeah, the National Guard's been here for a couple of days now. They they first sent them in 
uh, two nights ago, but they sent, didn't send in enough um, because you still saw that, that looting and rioting across the city. Um, then last night they, they picked it up a notch and got real serious and, and, and uh, enacted the first full deployment of the Minnesota National Guard since World War II. Wow. So uh, last night the streets were flooded with uh, armoured personnel carriers. Just, I've never seen so many police cars. There were thousands of extra officers out in the streets. Um, and for the most part, that crackdown worked. Uh, they were using Black Hawk helicopters overhead, uh, searchlights to really try to keep tabs on what was going on around the city. Um, plenty of roadblocks. They shut down the highways, shut down bridges, um, just trying to limit everyone's movements. Uh, so there were still um, a bit of trouble going on, certainly not in the scale that we've seen over the last few nights. They made more than 100 arrests. Um, police say they confiscated a number of uh, weapons, including AR-15 assault rifles. Um, so that gives you an idea of some of, the, some of the weaponry that people are carrying around here and why police are so tense at the moment. Tim, they say journalism's the first draft of history, so it must be incredible actually seeing this unfold before your eyes, but also to have that interaction with police. That's not something as a journalist you'd probably be used to. Can you tell us about that moment and what it's been like? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously we've had this 8pm curfew, which we are exempt from, um, so we you know, can report on what's going on. Um, and most police, they've been pulled over a number of times, um, because obviously they, last night when they got serious, they were just pulling over everyone who was on the road. Um, and you, the procedure was put your hands out the window, yell out press, they wanted to know who you were, what you were doing, then they checked our credentials and let us go. Man, that had happened a couple of times already that night. Um, then this incident, though, we sort of pulled up to a roadblock on a bridge and a bit uncertain about how to approach them because the police are so on edge and we've been in that situation before and seen it where they just opened fire on the vehicle with um, like beanbag bullets or rubber bullets and fired on, on the vehicles until they got back. So we didn't really want that to happen. So we just sort of sat there and waited, um, eventually approached by three police. Two were pretty calm. The one guy just wasn't calm um, initially um, and he, he unholstered his pistol um, and sort of started yelling, get him out of the car, get him out of the car to all the other cops. So I was on the I, I was on the one side of the car, my security guard and, and uh, my cameraman Adam Bovino was on the other side and they pulled those guys out first and, and handcuffed them. Um, by the time they got an officer, I hit the record on my phone and hold it up in my hand, just recording, so I wanted to record what was going to happen. Um, and I said to them, I'm holding a phone, is that okay? And they said, yes. Um, they pulled, then they came over, pulled me out, searched me. Um, by that stage, we kept saying we're pressed. And I think they, by that stage, they'd started to calm down and realised we weren't a threat, but they certainly wanted to um, search the car. And they were very nervous because our security guard has a gun on him as well, as do pretty much all security guards over here. Wow. So, um yeah, that, once they searched, that, searched our credentials, made sure he had the correct licensing for his weapon, then they did calm down um, and let us go and told us to get out of there because there was lots of gunfire. Wow, crazy situation, Tim. Um, I want to find out more about the, the frustration that's driven these protests, which in some cases have turned into riots. It all started with the, the killing of George Floyd on Monday. Why has this particular death ignited such a an angry and enormous reaction around America? Well, mainly, uh, I guess there's so many reasons behind it. Uh, the common thing I always say is, this, what people say to me is, 
it isn't the straw that's broke the camel's back, because they say there's been many incidents like this which just haven't been caught on video. Um, you've got also a, a, a whole bunch of, uh, I guess, socioeconomic reasons why this is happening. You know, a lot of these communities who feel discriminated against by the police, um, they don't have... I guess they have a large, uh, a high unemployment rate. Um, they're not paid very well. They've got low health care. And then you've got the coronavirus pandemic, which has hit. Um, it has hit African-Americans harder than any other section here in the, in the US. More of them have become infected. More of them have lost their jobs. One in four Americans workers has lost their jobs. And with that, they lose their health care as well. So you know, all this frustration and, and against the government shutdowns, as they view it, and I think people just at breaking point have had enough um, and they feel like they're not being treated with respect by authority. And many people here also have grievances with the police that are longstanding as well. And then you've got the peaceful protesters as well. They've been out and been fired upon with rubber bullets. Let people come over, pull up their shirt and show us their bruises and say, the police did this to me. But yeah, it's just a massive, massive divide between the police and, um, and the African-American community especially over here, and that is what you're seeing, uh, just the outpouring of anger. Um, and, yeah, George Floyd's death was just the, the spark that lit the match. Tim, you say there's a huge divide between the African-American community and the police, but where are other Americans sitting? Like, what is the feeling over there amongst uh, people that might not be caught up in these or in the cities where they're, they're not happening? Where's the mood of the general public? Uh, look, I guess the, so many people sympathise, white and black, sympathise with what has happened to George Floyd because everyone who's seen that video, you can't help but just feel affronted by what you yeah. see. Um, but, you know, and then there was anger, like many black and white Americans, to these riots, which have just really destroyed and taken away, at least momentarily, from what these protests were set out to do initially, um, which was you know, protest against the treatment of black Americans at the hands of white policemen. Um, you know, George, what happened to George Floyd has been swept aside a bit as everyone focuses on the riots, which is not what these protests are out to achieve. So there's frustration at that as well. Yeah, a lot of people are sort of now debating um, how violent the protests have been and, and whether they're doing the right thing. And, you know, you've got these images of building satellite um, police stations, um, residential blocks, um, shops being looted. And we've even heard overnight Donald Trump has said that Antifa are now being listed as a terrorist organisation. So he's he's blaming them. So what what proportion of these protests are are people that are turning to those violent actions or, or potentially members of extreme groups? Uh, and how how big is the proportion of people doing the right thing here and trying to express themselves in a reasonable way? Yeah, there is absolute frustration about that different elements. You do have those uh, organised criminals who are using this uh, to take advantage of a horrible situation. You've also got bored troublemakers who just, you know, they've, they've been locked up at home for t- two months because of coronavirus and this is, uh, you know, they've probably had, maybe lost their job, maybe they're in a, in, a, in, a, in a tough situation. They're bored and they want to come out and express their frustration. And they can do that knowing that the police aren't going to act. So, there's a whole bunch of, you know, different groups involved in all of this. It's a massive mess. It's hard to see, with, uh, with, especially the way that the president operates at the moment, which is by attacking his political rivals and, and just trying to show force. And it doesn't really feel like that is the solution at the moment politically uh, for, for the country, but, you know, we wait and see what's going to happen. 
Tim, we've seen a number of rallies and protests in the US in recent years, but how do you feel this one compares? Um, you know, what's the resolution going to be here, or is this feeling a bit like a tipping point? Um, look, this feels. I mean, it, it's a it's a tough one because uh, you know, rarely have we seen it spread across all the cities. Um, you know, so many cities are all doing the same thing right now, and it's just a sort of a, a, a symbol of where America is at at the moment, how divided it is. Um, you know, and maybe in, 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 I guess, past protests, you had presidents and politicians who tried to calm the waters, and that's not going to happen at the moment. So I think this will just get even worse heading towards November. I think probably Donald Trump will try to use this as uh, he'll to try to, try to galvanise his base. He'll, that's what his politics are, is to, to, to divide and get people on his side and uh, by saying everyone else is against us. So if he continues on on that path, then you know, there's going to be more disenfranchisement uh, heading towards the November election and people will continue to, to make their displeasure known. Tim, this protest, as you've explained, was in response to the killing of George Floyd, but sadly, more people have died as a result of the protest. What are the latest details on on, on how many people have died and, and how that happened? Um, yeah, well, look, it, it, we've seen a, a 19-year-old man in Detroit was fired upon by an unknown gunman as a protester. We've seen uh, a, a police officer shot and killed in, in Oakland, California. Um, look, it's just horrible situations where when you have this violence and you have this, uh, these guns on the street, these things are going to happen, and it's, uh, it's sad to see. And do you feel safe as a journalist or even as an Australian living in the US at the moment? I think so. I mean, the, the, the police, they're not targeting us, especially. Uh, the protesters aren't, pro- uh, the rioters, they're not targeting us at the moment. You know, you know usually you, you feel like you're, they might rob you for your camera or something like that. But in this situation, you know, they're looting stores for flat screen TV, so they're not too concerned about focusing on, on us at the moment. And as long as you keep your wits about you and keep away from the, the, the real serious criminals, um, then you're usually okay. Well, Tim, we really appreciate... Sorry, guys, I've got to do a, yeah, a live TV interview now, so I will have to hang up the phone, but th- thanks very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Tim. We really appreciate your time. All the best. Thank thanks. You. Wow, Annika, that's just huge. Tim Avia there on the streets of, of Minneapolis. I imagine you've been following this closely over the weekend. It's such a a massive moment in history. Yeah, it really feels that um, this is we're in unusual ground. As I said, there's been a lot of protests over the years in the US, especially in recent years, under the current president. But this is just so widespread and it, it feels like, you know, a shift in, I guess, the public mood. Yeah, such a, such a sense of frustration amongst those Americans who feel so unjustly treated by the police and also those broader socioeconomic factors. And then you've got the context of Donald Trump being president, um, not as unifying as some of his predecessors and also the pandemic. Great to get an update there from Tim Arvier and, and a sense of what's going on from all the way here in Australia. So thank you for listening today to the briefing um, special episode there with across to Minnesota where all that drama and action has been going down. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you tomorrow. A podcast one production.